How is it going, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back here for episode two of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin. We are here with Caleb as always. Caleb, what's going on, man? Up here, Kirksville, Missouri, celebrate Memorial Day, doing some bench pressing in the front yard. No gyms are open. Uh, we're trying to get in shape during COVID. Not the easiest thing in the world, but uh, it's always fun bench pressing in the yard and watching people watch you when you drive by and just kind of looking at like, what are these idiots doing out here? I'm like, oh, we're trying to get ready to play some football this fall. Love it. No bench pressing here, but same, trying to enjoy enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. Um, and I love the sounds of getting ready for football because I'm, I'm ready for some football. I don't know about you. I'm really ready for some football. I was sitting here the other day. I mean, I've just been racking my brain for different film to watch. I was kind of watching some how Andy Reid's motion type plays have an effect and how he kind of motions receivers, backs, tight ends, and kind of what kind of an effect that made on. So that's an article I'm working on right now. Beautiful. Love it. Well, today we're going to be talking about a couple players that the Chiefs just drafted that are going to be joining an already very potent Kansas City offense, and that is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who they selected with the 32nd overall pick um, in this year's draft. And the other is Lucas Nyang, who is a, a big offensive tackle out of TCU that they selected in the third round, number 96 overall. Yep, I loved both of these picks. I loved CEH because he is the absolute prototype for what Andy Reid wants in a running back. And I love Lucas Nyong because his potential is going to be off the roof. And he is also the prototypical offensive tackle that Andy Reid wants in his offense. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because a lot of people now are talking about, you know, do running backs matter, whether you should draft one in the first round. You know, we saw two Super Bowl teams that had running backs that were undrafted free agents. Um, but I, I'm usually I was on the side of never take a running back in the first round. But looking at this pick here in the Kansas City offense, I think it's just such a perfect fit. And the big thing that I think people got to remember is now that they select him in the first first round, they get that fifth-year option. So you can have the, this running back on your roster for five years and not get those crazy cap hits that I think is the real issue that people see out there. Yeah, and the cap is going to be nice because of that fifth-year option. They're going to have a solid running back for five years. But here's kind of what it comes down to on – the running backs don't matter in the first round and all that stuff. If you're a very poor football team like the Cincinnati Bengals, Washington Redskins, Miami Dolphins drafting in the top five, don't take a running back because your offensive line's not developed enough to help a running back and your team is just not going to be good enough to be able to just run the ball and win games. You're going to have to completely change your culture. Take a quarterback, take a defensive back, take an edge rusher, do something like that. But if you're picking 32nd overall and your team has just recently won the Lombardi Trophy and you have a need at running back because you have not gotten consistent play, Key has consistently had that play be a position, then you need to take a running back if there is a really good one available and it can help your club win ball games. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a guy 
who will be able to plug and play immediately into Andy Reid's system. They took him in the first round. I've seen reports all over the place, people saying he might be splitting carries. It's just kind of what people think, Twitter, uh, message boards, different things like that. They think he's going to be just like maybe come in halfway through the season, get some play. No. They took the running back in the first round to play him immediately. And what the Chiefs do and what LSU did are incredibly and eerily similar to where I think that this pick is going to be a home run for Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and and you know, some of the the quotes that kind of came out afterwards that we heard from Brett Veach and and Andy Reid, it definitely seems that they got the guy that they wanted the entire time. You know, you had Brett Veach talking about how um, there was a little bit of frustration that, you know, you have it blocked up right and you're only getting two yards where you should be getting eight. And then you got Andy Reid saying that, you know, he's better than Brian Westbrook. And then you got them saying that when they texted Pat Mahomes, they asked him one skill guy that they want that he wanted for that offense, and the first name that he said was was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like to me, that that screams, hey, they got the guy they wanted. It's it's something that they had been looking at, and I, th- I think that if Pat Mahomes wants him, you should probably give him to him. And here's the thing: back to that, there were times in this past season when teams were only playing four to five people in the box, maybe six, to be able to defend versus the Chiefs' passing attack. The Chiefs are going to line up in their four wide receiver set. Obviously, Kelsey's going to be in there, Hill, Watkins, and then probably McCole Hardman all out wide. That's going to spread the defense. That's going to draw double teams. That's going to take players out of the box. There's going to be four people, maybe five in the box, that are going to actually have a real chance because the offensive lineman for the Chiefs, all they have to do is cover guys up and give CEH one hole. And what does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire excel at doing? He excels at breaking tackles and beating people one-on-one in space. That is what he did this past season in LSU, and that is what I think he's going to do in the NFL. There's going to be times when all that's going to be between him and a gain of maybe 25 yards rushing is going to be just one defender, one linebacker in the box all by himself. He's got to break one tackle or make one man miss, and he's going to be gone for a giant rip. And I think that's going to take the Chiefs' offense to a completely different level of play. Yeah, that's there's no question about that. He wins one-on-one matchups and breaks tackles. Something that you talked about just a, just a second ago that I want to kind of touch back on was him coming in as the starter and not splitting carries with Damian Williams. Now they're they're running back backfield, their depth there. They just brought DeAndre Washington in. They have obviously Damian Williams, like we just talked about. They have Darwin Thompson, who they drafted the past year. They have Daryl Williams, who was coming back from injury, who if if you think all the way back to the beginning of the season, he was getting a ton of reps. I was watching that Ravens game over again the other night, and he was he was playing most of the, the situations in the third down, he was targeted over 20 times because before he got injured. So where, where do you think they go with this depth? Love Damian Williams. He's going to be a postseason hero forever in Kansas City. He's been Mr. Clutch in every playoff game he's been in. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is here to be the starting number one running back. And that's more or less just because Damian Williams hasn't proven 
that he can consistently, and that's the key, consistently be the guy that the Chiefs can depend on, play in, play out. And if you remember all the way back to 2018, that was his original role was to come in and be the backup. So I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the starter day one. I think Damian Williams is easily going to be the number two starter. And now here's where it starts to get interesting because you got about three guys who are all in the same boat to try to get that third spot. Now the Chiefs might carry four. I can see them leaning more towards three though. So we got Darwin Thompson and Darwin, he drew a lot of excitement in the preseason after the draft because just because of some of the athletic things, he's a real rocked up tackle breaking guy. He's, he's what Brett Veach likes. He has some vision issues though. And I think that that was a major issue why he didn't get on the field as much as people would have liked to see him get on the field this past season. And if a specific example that I can go back to on that was against Denver, the chiefs ran a power play and, uh, Wisniewski had a good kick out block and I believe so did Anthony Sherman had a good block. They were both leading the way up on this play and there was some edge pressure from the left side. It was going to the right and Thompson should have just kept his head down, stayed on his track and tried to just run through any kind of arm tackle because he's strong enough to, but instead of trusting it and going through the hole and probably scoring a touchdown, he bounced it outside. And that is one of the things that was a knock on him coming out of Utah state is he tries to bounce it a lot and he doesn't always have the best vision. And I think just with this past season, with the problems the chiefs had at running back, the fact that he couldn't really carve out time with the injuries kind of showed that he wasn't ready last season. Now that's not to say that he's not improved tremendously since then, but he's going to be a guy that's fighting for a spot. I think DeAndre Washington is going to really up the competition level. I think he does some really good things out of the backfield. I like his hands. He was a really nice receiving threat for the Raiders down the line towards the end of the season. Good little check down for Mr. Checkdown, Derek Carr. He uh, had a couple of games where he had about 50 receiving yards, around 150 all-purpose yards. So he's got some game action. He's been in the league four years, played college ball with Pat Mahomes, I think that he is a guy that might have an outside chance to make the roster, but his pass protecting is kind of sketchy sometimes. Not the best of that. And that'll bring me in to a guy who's been on the Chiefs roster for a while now, Daryl Williams, a guy who Andy Reid trusts, but he's just been so injured. I don't really think he's had a chance there. He was showing flashes of Priest Holmes in that 31 out there against the Ravens. And then he has a couple of games where he goes dormant, battling the injuries. Daryl Williams is a good pass blocker. He's a good short yardage back. He has good hands. If I think there are three backs that will make the roster, I think it's going to be CEH, Damian Williams, and Daryl Williams. I think I think Daryl Williams, you hit it on the head. I think if he can come in healthy, he is somebody that I think will surprise a lot of people and definitely make this roster. He's like you said, he's got the trust of the coaching staff, which which is almost as big as anything when it comes to to players in the NFL. If you don't get, if you're not trusted, if they don't think that you're going to protect Pat Mahomes and that pass protection, you're not going to see the field. That's pretty much as simple as that. Um, you know, and that's something kind of, if there is maybe a knock on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's not great in pass pro, but the thing is they don't need to use him in pass pro a ton. If he's out there, 
they're going to try to get him out of the backfield and get get matchups with uh, linebackers and and stuff like that. I, I guess I got to throw some status out here for you because I was looking this up because I knew he had a monster year, but I was blown away by some of these numbers that CH has. And we'll go into this. And, and you know, the nice thing about the numbers is is what you see in the numbers is backed up about what he puts on film, right? So his numbers. 70 broken tackles on 214 carries, which is Mm. he had adjusted broken tackle rate of 86%, which was the highest in college football. All right. The next closest was Zach Moss with 81%. And then after that was Jonathan Taylor at 63%. So he was kind of blowing people out of the water with broken tackles. Um, He had 782 yards out of his uh, over 1400 yards were after contact. So, He's getting hit, but he's he's making dudes miss. He's running through arm tackles. He's creating yards, right? So like we talked about earlier, those one-on-one matchups, he's not getting brought down by one dude. It's just not happening, right? He's also an exceptional pass yeah. um, receiver. 55 catches, 453 yards. He had 25 catches for first downs this year. And all those touches, he had one fumble. That's just those those numbers are unbelievable. And I think when you look at them on film, you see it, right? You see the short area quickness. The short area quickness and his vision, I think, are were as good as anybody that was drafted this year, probably better. And I think that he could potentially be a top running back in the NFL because of those two traits that he has. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. And something else that's really interesting. He was he got overshadowed, which is a shame. He play, which it's hard to do. You're playing on a team with the Heisman Trophy winner Joe Joe Burrow and Coach O, and then you got all these freak show athletes playing wide receiver and tight end for LSU. You know who won LSU's team MVP? Who they voted? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I mean, you can go look at Joe Burrow. And he says that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the best player on the team. Joe Burrow's first overall pick in the draft. So you want so you're starting to see why maybe Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes would want a guy like this on his team, a real brick house of a runner, a guy who's gonna really do everything. And the better he plays, the less pressure it's gonna put on Mahomes, the less pressure it's gonna put on the Chiefs wide receivers to be awesome. And they're going to find ways to absolutely dismantle people with him back there. And you don't have to throw out a bunch of stats to me. I've been watching his film. Interesting enough, I only had him as my fourth-ranked running back. I had I had a Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift ahead of him because I think that those guys are more like feature back, every down backs in the NFL. But you look at what the Chiefs do. I mean, Edward Solaire, love him, but he's probably not going to get more than 20 carries a game. And he's probably, but he's going to get like seven targets at least, probably. What he does for the Chiefs, he fits in better than any of those guys could possibly do from how they play. Because those guys need touches. Those guys need 30 carries a game to be able to get their production. Clyde can have 10 carries and he'll have 70 yards rushing, catch five passes, have 50 receiving. I mean, this is the kind of guy he is. He gets chunks when he can get in there, and it all gets set up off of him being able to break tackles and just being quick out of the backfield and being able to put moves on people. Yeah, and that's the thing. He He's so versatile. He's the ultimate chess piece, right? So, you know, we talk about Andy Reid. One of the best things he does is he schemes, he schemes up 
for his running backs. You see production out of his running backs every single year. He's one of the best screen game guys in the NFL. He always finds ways to put mismatches, and that's what LSU was doing. They were doing the same stuff, right? So you would go from one play, and you'd see Edwards Hilaire. He'd line up you know, next to Joe Burrow, and they're running inside zone. And then the next play, you turn on. Now they're in five wide, but it's the same personnel and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is split up out wide and he's running, you know, he's running a hitch against a against a corner. All right. And then the next play they line up and he's in the backfield again, but he's not running a little swing route. He's actually running a, a 10 corner out of the backfield on the sale concept against Alabama for a wide open touchdown. You know, I was watching I was at that game and I'm sitting in that end zone and I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh, he's wide open. There's an easy touchdown, and sure enough, Burrow finds him you know, on that corner route out of the backfield, and it's an easy touchdown. He gets matched up on a middle linebacker, and the guy just can't, he has no chance. And I think that's what the Chiefs are going to be able to do with him. And then, and, he, and it's a seamless transition, not only for scheme, but you look at the players, you know. You talked about LSU having all those good athletes and great players. Well, so do the Chiefs, right? <laughs> they have all these athletes on the outside. They have the best quarterback in the NFL, and now he's just another chess piece to win those matchups against linebackers who are going to have no shot against him in the open field. Yeah, that route versus LSU, that kind of made my jaw drop when I saw that. And here's the thing, back going back with running backs, people say running backs don't matter. Do they not matter or are they mismanaged? Do teams not find efficient ways to use running backs? Jonathan Taylor, good player, like the way he plays. He's not going to be the most efficient back in the NFL. He's going to need 30 touches a game to be able to get up to 115 yards rushing at least. Clyde, different kind of player entirely. And that's why the people that say running backs don't matter and all this stuff don't matter, I don't think they see the big picture of what's actually going on here. Because you got to look at each team and each player individually and see how do they help their team how are they actually helping their team succeed? Now, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be a guy who can come in like Brian Westbrook, who's going to be able to, he's not going to be the head guy in the offense. He's not going to be the leading stat getter, but he's going to be the guy that consistently kills you on third down and long because he's going to run a little, he's going to run a little flare out out of the backfield on third and nine, and he's going to get 10 yards, or the Chiefs are just going to screen you to death. I think it's going to be some of the most efficient running back play in the NFL this upcoming season. And you know what? When the game's on the line and you got to kill the clock and you need two yards, hey, running backs definitely matter then. When you need a couple of yards, hmm, all you need is a guy that could break a couple of tackles, hold on to the football, and keep his feet turning. I think the Chiefs found their guy right now. That's the thing, too, that I think that I like hearing the best is the efficiency, right? We talk about how important that is. And, and you look, I look, took a look because for some reason I'm watching the film and I keep seeing little glimpses of Kareem Hunt with the, with the talent. And now that's a name I know in Chiefs Kingdom is kind of sour, but the skill set that they have is so similar in, the, in their ability to make a dude miss and break one tackle or have a great catch out of the backfield. So I went back and I looked at um, football outsiders efficiency rating in their offense in 2018, right? When Kareem Hunt was on the roster. Now granted he only played 11 games, but when he was on the roster, they had the most efficient offense in the NFL, right? They had the most efficient pass game and the, f- the fourth most efficient run game. Fast forward to 2019, they have the third most efficient offense behind Baltimore and Dallas 
where they still have the most efficient pass game, but now they only have the 14th most efficient run game. So to me, you put a great player in a great scheme, they're going to be, be they're going to be better, right? It does, that's just how it is. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a great player getting put in a great scheme. And I think we're going to see that efficiency go back to those 2018 type numbers. Here's an interesting thought. When Andy Reid has good running backs, people are going to find out. Because Brian Westbrook, good running back, all pro, pro bowler. Everybody knew about him. Why? He made him look really good in the offense and the plays he called. And he's just like the perfect back for Andy Reid. Fast forward, you know, LaShawn McCoy, not a good player in Kansas City by any stretch. But in his early days in Philadelphia, what did Andy Reid do? He found ways to get his best player involved in the game. What did Andy Reid do when he had Jamal Charles? Jamal Charles put up maybe one of the best seasons ever in the history of the NFL by a running back. Kareem Hunt, rookie season, leads the league in rushing. And now the Chiefs have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a back who has similar tendencies from kind of all four of those guys. Now, he's not an exact copy on anyone. The closest one he is, like we said, is that Westbrook comparison is the closest. But Andy Reid now again has another really good running back to try to get some plays out of the backfield with. We're going to see some really creative play calling. We're going to see some really creative motions. It's going to be fun. It certainly is. And, and you know what helps good running backs? Great offensive line. So let's let's change gears here a little bit, and let's talk about some of this offensive line stuff that we got. Because we got Lucas Nyan coming in, who is an absolute monster of a human being. He is 6'7", 328 pounds out of TCU. They selected him in the third round. And he played uh, offensive tackle for TCU, um, was their starting right side offensive tackle. So obviously right now, Kansas City, they're pretty set at the tackle situation, right? Mitchell Schwartz on the right side, maybe the most underrated player in the entire NFL. Guy is just so consistent. He is so good. And he's just never talked about in the way that he should be. And then you have Eric Fisher, who I think is also pretty underrated when it comes to it. Now, it took him a little bit of time to find his own in Kansas City, but he's been a pretty solid staple at that left side um, for the Chiefs for, for many years now since he's been their first overall pick there. Um, Nyang, what I thought was pretty interesting was they talked about, Veach immediately came out and said that he could compete at guard right away. Yeah, I saw those reports also. I wrote an article about Nyong playing guard, and right at this current moment, I don't think that it's going to be in the books for him playing guard this season, coming off of a labrum injury, and the fact that he's also never played guard before, I think that, that he's going to have that going against him, but the Chiefs also will have a decent amount of competition inside once camp starts for the guard spot because they have returning to the roster uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Andrew Wiley, Martinez Rankin is still somewhat, the reports from what I've been hearing, he's still a little bit behind in his recovery from what I've been told by people on Twitter, just from conversations. He's in, from his knee injury, patella injury, he's still behind. If he was healthy, I mean, he'd, he'd be the incumbent starter. The team lost Wisniewski, but they bring in another solid, grizzled veteran in Mike Rimmers, 
who started over 70 games in eight NFL seasons. So there's going to be some competition in the inside that I think is going to be really interesting if we can see LDT return to like early 2018 form, if Wiley can show improvement, and if Remmers can come in and play his more natural position to guard well. Those are going to be three guys who are going to come in and probably be the three guys that are ready to compete. And then maybe sometime down the line, I think we see Rankin get healthy and come in and try to play. But I don't really see Nylon fitting in the interior line, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. If he has to sit a year and continue to get his hip healed and continue to get better while also adjusting to the NFL game and getting ready to go against these great pad, the great pass rushers, specifically in the AFC West, then I think that it's going to be a home run of a pick if they can just give him a little bit of time to develop here. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned his hip injury because even with that hip, hip injury, he still didn't let up a sack last year whatsoever. And what's even crazier, he didn't let a sack up at all. In 900, 975 pass blocking snaps, he gave up zero sacks in his college career, which is insane to hear about. And not only that, he only gave up three total penalties for his career in college. What that tells me is that he's an athlete. And you know Andy Reid, Andy Hack, these guys love athletes along the offensive line. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And going back to the no sack thing, there was a game in uh, 2018 where they played the Ohio State University, TCU did, and Jerry World down in Dallas. He was going against a guy named Chase Young and a guy named Nick Bosa that day. He didn't give up a single sack to either one of those guys. And a matter of fact, Chase Young actually said on quote and on record, you can look it up on the Google machine. He said that the best player he faced in college was Lucas Nyong from TCU. And Chase Young and Nick Chase Young is probably going to be a transcendent pass rusher in the NFL. And Nick Bosa already looks like a transcendent pass rusher in the NFL. So that's the thing that I really liked about him. But then you look at his size. He's so big, he has very nimble feet. And his his film from 2019 does not do him justice because he was hurt and he had a little hitch in his giddy-up when he's doing his um, pass blocking, the offensive line pass blocking. He needs to he needs to drive off of his inside foot and catch with his outside foot and be able to keep himself square to the man in front of him while not turning his hips. In 2018, 2017, he did that very well, and he's moving people too. But the thing that I like about him the most is his feet, footwork and his base. His feet are nimble for being such a big guy. I mean, he moves in space incredibly well. There's times when he's so quick out of his stance that the pass rushers aren't even making contact with him just because he's able to mirror them so well. And he's just sitting here waiting on them to do something. And they're like getting confused because normally offensive linemen will be one of the first people to draw contact. He's sitting there patiently waiting for them to make their move. And it throws off their rush plan because if they want to go inside track, he's right there and it's all over. And if they want to go wide, he'll just keep moving his feet and keep them out there and run them around the quarterback. So, I mean, everything that he's done on film looks like it's going to translate well to the NFL. That 
and he can run in space. And when you can run in space and you're an offensive lineman, you're going to be good for the screen game. And uh, Andy Reid, he's a big screen guy. I was totally on the same page as you as that when I was watching him. His his athleticism and his length is something that you see on the outside of the tackles, and he, he looks like he could fit at tackle along the offensive line um, in the NFL. He His transition to the inside would be interesting to see because I think the Chiefs do need an upgrade along the interior, right? We talked about Rankin and how his injury is a little behind, and he, he played well when he played but he might not be there at the beginning of the year. I took a look, and I was looking at Andrew Wiley just to see how he looked against um, the Baltimore Ravens. I figured there's a good defense with some good interior defensive linemen, and I watched him pretty closely in that game, and it was pretty evident that he, he's lacking in some major um, traits that need to be happening and for, for an offensive guard in the NFL. Now, he's another athlete, Wiley is, right? That's probably his biggest strength is his athleticism and his balance. He gets beat one one time in that game by Arthur Drones hard to the inside, and he's able to recover. He puts that hand on that defender's hip and throws him and gives him a little ride and gets back in front of him, and it's impressive to watch. So you can see why the Chiefs are so enamored by him. He's, he flashes that athletic ability, but he's not great at the point right, which is not a good combination because Austin Ryder also isn't super strong at the point of attack, right? They run that wide zone, which is is helps in that. You don't need to, you know, line up in mall dudes, but you got to be able to cover them up and not get driven backwards. And I think that's something that Nyan could help with if they do give him a look at guard is he's also a guy that's not going to just road grade you and maul you, but he's so big, he will cover you up and he's going to be on you long enough where he's not going to get driven back. And he's going to create those small creases for Clyde Edwards Hilaire and, and his athleticism along the interior. There is no defensive tackle, maybe, you know, outside of, you know, Aaron Donald or something like that, that, that I think is going to match him athletically along the inside. Yeah, uh, going back to Wiley, just for one quick second, his footwork, he can get a little off in his hips and his feet don't always match up and are in sync and he relies too much on his upper body. And I think that's what's really hurt him in the past. Austin Ryder, I really don't have a problem with the way he plays. I think he's actually pretty good pass protecting, honestly. He gets the calls. He seems to know what he's doing. And LDT, I think he was hurt last season. I don't think he seemed like a shell of his former self. And I can go back. I was at training camp last August watching them play. And he was, they were scrimmaging. He was one-on-one with Chris Jones in a three technique. And Chris Jones drove him back and knocked him on his back in the backfield. And I couldn't believe it because he's been a guy who'd been a consistent starter and he'd graded out high. And then we get into the season and there's a couple of instances where he's letting guys get into his chest and drive him back in pass pro. And that's kind of the key to this offensive line for the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't need mauling great run blockers, kind of like they have up in Baltimore. They need guys who can cover up in the run game, but guys that can protect their ass off in pass protection. And that's why if Nyon were to come in, I think he could play, but that's also why a guy like Martinez Rankin look good. Martinez Rankin's an average run blocker, but he is really good in pass protection because he sits down. He's got long arms. He can lock out on guys, and he has a violent punch. I mean, these guys are all NFL offensive linemen. They all have nasty streaks. They all want to finish on people. I think Niog has a little bit of an underrated nasty streak, 
because I've got some tape of him I watched where he's pancaking guys and then getting fired up and letting them know about it, and I like all that. But the Chiefs need guys who are going to be able to consistently play in and play out, protect Mahomes, protect Mahomes, protect Mahomes, cover guys up in the run game. And that's why a guy like Mitchell Schwartz has been so special for the Chiefs. Look at how many sacks he's given up in the last few years. Be hard to do because I don't think he's given up very many. I mean, he's been wonderful. That's the kind of tackle the Chiefs need for the future. That's why I think Andy Reid wanted a guy like him anyway. I think they knew they were going to be drafting a young quarterback and they had to be able to protect him. Fisher's an underrated player. Yeah, he struggled against Nick Bosa. Guess what? 31 other left tackles in the NFL struggle against Nick Bosa. How did Fisher play in the playoffs up to that point? If I recall, he made some really big impact blocks against the Tennessee Titans in that AFC championship game. So he is a really underrated player. He's a very undervalued player. And I think that in the near future, when the Chiefs have to decide between Fisher or Schwartz, because both of them are going to be or both of them are going to be getting up there in age when the Chiefs have to come to make their decision. I have no idea who they're going to pick. But I know that if Nyon can continue to develop and get his hip healthy, he's going to do just fine. And that's the big thing, isn't it? It's it's a, whether you can run block or not. I guess that's one thing. But you got to be able to protect Pat Mahomes. He he's the star. He's the man that needs to stay upright. He's the engine that makes everything go. If you're if you're good enough in pass pro to give up zero sacks out of 975 pass attempts, and now you're going with a coach and Andy Reid and Andy Heck who have a history of developing guys, I think that's a good sign for Lucas Nyang. And I think that we potentially found ourselves a, a very solid starter in years to come. Maybe not this next year. But certainly after that, you know, we talk about age. You also talk about contracts. Eric Fisher's contract is getting up there, and he's going to be owed a lot of money. Um, can't pay everybody. Still got to pay Mahomes, right? So when they do have to make that decision, I think that Lucas Nyang will be ready to step in in either of those tackle positions. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it, to be honest, because he's a big athletic dude. And I think if you're a football guy, football guys like big athletic dudes. <laughs> yeah, and back to the Fisher thing, I do recall seeing that after the 2020 season, if they do release Fisher, it'll save them about 9 or $10 million on cap space. That is going to be huge money, especially with the contracts that could potentially be coming to Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and already currently the contract that Frank Clark has. So that's going to be huge money. But I also don't think the Chiefs wouldn't have taken Nyong if they knew he was 100%. Because there was a lot of good tackle prospects this year in the draft. There were some guys I was – I thought not, I had Nyong as a fourth-round grade. I really didn't know leading up to it how badly he had been injured. I thought he had gotten hurt playing. I didn't realize that he'd hurt himself in the preseason and played five games with a torn labrum. So you want to know anything about this guy's toughness – he had a torn hip labrum and played five football games. I mean, that shows me all I need to know about his mental toughness and his character. And then you got to hear what Andy Heck has to say about him. He thinks he's a good athletic long player. Andy Heck, great offensive line coach. They're going to get it all figured out with him. Absolutely. These are these two guys that we just talked about, CEH, Lucas Nyang. These are guys to be excited about, you know, 
that they just drafted that they're adding to an already outstanding roster. But look, Caleb, man, this has been fun. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you tell everybody what you got coming out on Arrowhead Live? Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, I started watching film on how the motions that Andy Reid run affect different kinds of plays the Chiefs have to run, and specifically the Chiefs because the Chiefs didn't do a very good job of running the ball late in the season. They had to employ some motions with Tyree Kill pretending like a jet kind of play to be able to set themselves up to run the ball. But Andy Reid's always been a big motion guy. So I'm working on that, and it's kind of also going to might be a slight little preview of some things they could do with CEH. But also I'm working on a new weekly column called the uh, the GMKC, and I am actually going to be specifically looking at the future tackle, uh, the future tackle specific positions for the Chiefs and the kind of situations that they're going to be finding themselves in when it comes to time to decide if they have to pick between Fisher and Schwartz and if Niall will be ready and the kind of things that are going to go into those decisions and why the offensive tackle position is one of the top four most important, valuable positions in all of football. So that's what I'm working on. What do you got lined up, Justin? Yeah, so I just put out uh, an article about three players that you could potentially see the Chiefs release or trade um, this offseason. And I think the big thing that I highlighted in there is that you got to understand with this roster, and especially Brett Veach, man, he is going to be ever looking to improve this roster. Roster, You look at last year, Mike Pennell was a very late signing, right? He's always looking to find ways to improve. So I, I think you could see a move at any point from him. Um, and then the other thing I got coming out soon here will be an article about potential players, kind of piggybacking on that, potential players that might be available for trade. So if the Chiefs are looking to make a move, who is it that they could be trading for? So that'll be fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter, jdiz1617. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff. I always tweet out the articles, the podcasts. Um, Caleb, where can they find you? You can find me at CJ Scoobs on Twitter. I've also been helping operate the uh, little, uh, another little Arrowhead Live uh, Twitter page called Chiefs Take. You can find that at Chiefs Take. Uh, and uh, happy Memorial Day. Thanks to all the veterans who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live freely here in America. And uh, shout out to anyone who's served in the armed forces. Thank you very much for your contributions we appreciate all you guys you guys are the heroes out there thanks i'm just going to echo that statement very well said caleb totally agree thank you everybody in chief's kingdom for joining us this is the the coach's corner you can find us weekly from arrowhead live in a series of podcasts that arrowhead live has been pumping out it was great talking football again today with caleb i'm justin Find us both on Twitter. If you like what you hear, make sure you're liking and retweeting and subscribing to our podcast, guys. We'll talk to you next time.